Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. And you're very welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast, available on the At The Races website, also on iTunes, SoundCloud. We might even be available on Tinder. Thank you so much for downloading this week's show as we continue our build-up to a very exciting season of National Hunt Racing. We've already seen some cracking racing over the weekend, and we are joined by three of the brightest minds in the game to highlight some of the best horses to watch out for this season. First up, at the race's pundit, Kevin Blake. I can confirm that it's only Vanessa that's on Tinder. <coughs> of course she, told me that, she told me that herself. I don't even know what Tinder is myself. Oh, of course you don't, Kevin. You, you haven't got a clue about that swiping left or swiping right. Uh, we're also joined by gg.co.uk pundit and Betfair columnist Tony Keenan. Tinder's best two-year-old be the Jessica Harrington trains, Kevin. And I'd back it there for the board catcher, but there you go. Who are, who are these three smart minds that are on tonight anyway? Uh, you're one of them, I hope. <laughs> and here's the question. Now, we had technical difficulties last week, but I am assured by producer Deirdre that we do indeed this time have... Irish field columnist, Mr. Rory DeLaghi. Oh, no! Oh, what a disaster. He's not there again. Shame. Good evening. Hey! Rory DeLaghi, welcome on board, sir. Are you well? No, of course I'm not well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm okay in myself, That's as all- they say in the trade. That's all right. We'll, we'll take that for now. Right, let's continue our build-up to the 2016-17 National Hunt season. We're going to get two novice hurdlers, two novice chasers, three championship horses, intriguingly, one to oppose, and three dark horses as well to follow from each of the lads. So, Tony, we'll start with you. Your first novice hurdler that you think could develop into a grade one horse this season. Um, I think he's covered blow by blow there not so long ago, so I just mentioned him again. Um, and just to say that he's not slow, um, I'm not convinced he wants three miles. I actually think he has plenty of pace, and I'd be interested in him even running over two. Um I'm going to go with a bit of a, a, a sort of an unusual one here. Terence O'Brien is a horse called Articulum. He was probably slightly unlucky not to win on his return last season at Torless behind uh, New to this Town, who obviously went on after that. The jockey could have been a little bit more proactive with him, um, but he was only narrowly beaten. Then he went on to win his next two bumpers up to two and a half miles at Nace and a winner's race in Limerick. Now, he, was, he ran then in the championship champion bumper at Punchestown and was a little bit disappointing but you can basically put a line through that because the trainer said um, about 10 days before it was a real rush preparation to get him right for it and I think he had, had a cut or something after Limerick so you can forget about that um, trainer's a little bit under the radar very under the radar even and I think he'd be winning um, a novice order or two when the, when the 
Oh, good God. Rory, are you okay? I'm grand, yeah. Can somebody get that man a brandy? <laughs> He'll need more than seven, I'd say. I'm off, to, uh, I'm off to Newbury at the end of the month, next month, you know. You'll be picking some freebies up there. Oh, that also means you'll be getting the stable insight from Seven Barrows, so we'll find out more about that later on. But Tony, continue, please. Yeah, so I think he'll be, he'll be winning novice order when the when the muck is flying um, articulum. The other one, um, again, I'll go with one that's maybe a, a little bit less obvious. Shattered love with Gordon Elliott. Um, she ran in the Phillies bumper at Aintree, and I just thought that the fast ground there and the two sharp two mile were just an insufficient test for her. Um, she's a Giggins Town horse, point to point winner. Um, she's, I think she's already won a maiden at Tipperary, but looks like a, a mare that might be going on to better things. So maybe two that are just a little bit less obvious there. Okay, excellent stuff. Do you want to give us was the... That th- that, was that that three of them? Yeah, well, I'm talking about Blow Be Blow and, and Death Duty. They're all very obvious. Like, uh, like They're going to be one to five in their maiden orders and this kind of thing. But Articulum and Shattered Love are the two. Mr. Roy DeLarge, we've already heard from you briefly. Let's hear from you properly. Uh, your novice hurdlers that you think will be stealing the limelight this season. Yeah, I don't want to be too um, too left field in this. I'm not a massive fan of, of putting up novice hurdlers earlier in the season, but two uh, that I would be keen on. Uh, I should say before I start, I've decided to go down an old British route here. I know you lads will cover the Irish angles very well anyway. I will have opinions about um, some of uh, your opinions, uh, but I thought I'll uh, I'll do the uh, the English aspect of this. Finally, um, so, somebody is doing it for the Brits. Excellent. Well, someone has to, don't they? Uh, so my two in the novice hurdlers department, not huge. One of them's dark enough, I suppose. Um, Bally Andy's a very obvious one. We've already seen him over hurdles. Um, he made a satisfactory um, debut at Perth when um, clashing with the previous winner of the champion bumper at Cheltenham. He came out worse behind uh, Moonracer, um, but Moonracer would have spent a fair bit of last season being schooled over hurdles anyway because mm. uh, he was due to run in the Supreme and they abandoned that plan very late in the day. Uh, Ballyandy needs to learn a little bit about hurdling, but you, you're meant to learn in the job anyway. He was really impressive, I thought, when he won at Cheltenham in March. Um, he looks a stayer. He shaped like a stayer that day. Lost his position uh, briefly coming down the hill, rallied really strongly uh, to win in a very close finish. And to be honest, the runner-up um, got a very good tactical ride that day. Um, and nearly stole it. Uh, but Ballyandy got the, the verdict by a nose. He was then beaten at, um, at the entry, and it's easy enough to say that um, the horses behind him at Cheltenham maybe improved past him because he clashed with those two again. But he was giving four pounds away for he had a penalty uh, for winning it um, at the festival. And I thought he travelled like the best horse in the race at the entry, but he clearly sh- showed that he was suffering from... Um, from a very hard race that day and didn't really get home after traveling well. He just, when he was asked for his effort, having traveled extremely well in the bridle, he just hung a little bit and, and didn't get home. Uh, I think he's better than that. And I would still take him to be the best of last year's bumper performers. Um, and everything about him says that he's going to make a really good chaser down the line. He's not one of these who's, who's going to shine bright for a season and then go backwards. Um, he's got a tremendous physique. He's clearly going to take to hurdles, but down the line he's going to make a half decent chaser as well so he picks himself rather and the other one who's a little bit darker is Better Mesh for Dan Skelton who's had a couple of runs in bumpers been kept away from the big tracks one on deep ground on his debut for Nicky Richards before being snapped up by Dan Skelton uh, and then was very impressive in winning it was only an ordinary bumper really at Weatherby on his second start but um, he fairly sprinted away from the opposition in the last couple of furlongs um, 
and that suggests that he's going to be very good at the minimum trip. So he looks like a supreme type uh, to me. Uh, and because he's totally unexposed and he hasn't run in the top races, he's a little bit darker than Ballyandy, but that pair will uh, will do to kick off with. Kevin Blake, your novice hurdlers that you feel will be grade one class by the end of the season. Yeah, this is probably my, I mean, Rory's camp. Now, this would be my, the trickiest category to pick from, I think, because we haven't seen the vast majority of them jump over hurdles. And, you know, the, the more high profile ones are all a little bit obvious. You know, of the, the you know, we'll say the pick of the bumper horses coming back to go hurdling this season I I think I mentioned it last week Invitation Only is one I'm keen enough on um, I, I really like his two bumper wins last season there was plenty of talk about him kind of mid-winter early spring uh, with a view to the to the champion bumper they were a little bit late in getting him out he didn't make his race course debut until like mid-March so that obviously Cheltenham was was clear you know he was just too late getting going to go to Cheltenham and he, he won well at the Punchestown Festival I thought in the race that didn't really go perfectly for him um, so again kind of mid-distance novice hurdler I would have thought rather than being a two-miler or a three-miler I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a Neptune type and yeah he, seemingly he's maybe ready to go soon enough and yeah he, he'd be my pick of the, the more obvious high-profile ones and the other one I'd put up is one that at least we, we've got the chance to see over hurdle already and that's Death Duty um, again a, a shade obvious again because he was a very good bumper horse he won two and finished second to blow by blow at fairy house um and i i just he's one of those that he's just not really a bumper horse you know he's a big chaser in the making um a couple of those rates those bumpers didn't really pan out for him they went steady and ended up really sprinting home and uh, he won and he was beaten in both those circumstances he did well to just be involved in the finish the type he is and um, Gordon decided to start him off with Roscommon. I suppose it was the first bit of soft ground that we got really in Ireland. I'd, I'd imagine that's why he started there as much as any other reason. And I just I just liked the way he did it. He jumped solidly. Um, you know, wasn't electric quick over them, but he was good and solid the whole way. Travelled very well and, and just, you know, was always in control under Ruby Walsh. And that was just a lovely start. You know, I'd imagine he'll go, he'll go up in grade now. He'll be well able for it. Um, and I, you know, there was a time when Gordon would have been careful enough with horses like him in their in their novice hurdle year. You know, with a view to their chasing career. But I think in the last season or two, he's he's kind of changed his approach a little bit. And he says, right when they're when they're well and they're sound, that he's just going to boot on and let, and let them go up the ranks. And you know, if that means if that means getting him to Cheltenham, great. You know, whereas in the past, I think he would have made a conscious decision to, to, to almost skip Cheltenham with the better horses to would have viewed to, to mining them. Where I think those days are gone now. And I wouldn't be surprised if Death Duty makes up into a... He could be a Neptune horse. He could, he could possibly be an, be an Albert Bartlett horse too, but I, I suspect he's going to be very good. Can I just get in there on bumper horses of last year? Just a little tear you have there I want to mention. Um, I don't think the champion bumper last year was any great race. Um, and I have a couple of reasons why uh, I think the main reason why is I think the two best bumper horses um, in Ireland might have been left at home blow by blow and death duty totally agree with Kevin saying I think the racing fairy house wasn't run at all to suit death duty the blow by blow run because it won because death duty wasn't um, wasn't an, uh, enough emphasis on stamina for him mm. now, the other the other thing about the Cheltenham race um, those Cheltenham horses have been beaten ends up in Punchestown Blow by blow and moon racer are five and six lengths clear at all than that. And while I know some people say, oh, that's end of season, it's a little bit false form, um, I'm actually not too sure about that. I think Punchestown is as big a target meeting as Cheltenham um, these days. And um, they've just beaten the Cheltenham horses, ends up. So I actually take the view that 
I'd actually be against an awful lot of those horses out of the Cheltenham bumper. And that actually could be quite profitable because um, typically they are the best horses, but I think this year there looks to be a case that they actually aren't that great. They're finishing a bit of a heap. I do take Rory's point that Bally Andy was definitely better than the form on the day. should have won further. But um, I'm actually going to take a, a view early on this year that I'm going to pose a few of those Cheltenham champion bumper horses with the Punchestown form and some of the other bumper form lines are a bit less obvious. <laughs> There was a time where opposing Cheltenham champion bumper horses was actually quite profitable. You just think that there were better bumper races run afterwards, particularly the Punchestown race? Definitely. I, th- I think Global Blows a serious tool. I think that duty, um, that fairy house form, it just looks ordinary bumper form, but it's anything but. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the time was anything spectacular on Cheltenham either. Or I, I may be off on that. It's just a little theory that I formed coming out of Punchestown. And um, look, we'll see how far it takes us. I could be completely wrong on that, but... I'll take my chances. Just the fact that Gigginstown, the, the one bumper horse they ran in Cheltenham was the the Lavenier de V, the horse that finds nothing. Um, he would have been down there pecking all the night of May And of course, O'Leary hates uh, bumper races, particularly the champion bumper Cheltenham. I feel a little bit like David, Dim- David Dimbleby on Question Time, where you've got one person of a political ideology on one side and another person of political ideology on the second side, and you're trying to keep the peace. So... You know, Rory did just mention Belly Andy as one of his horses to follow, and then Tony comes in. Well, actually, I think that race was rubbish. I think that, and I'll be, and I'll be taking on these horses all season. I'll, I'll ruin this for you. I saying I, I agree with Tony. Um, in the main, there, I, I think um, it, it's hard to argue that this year's bumper, uh, last season's bumper, if you like, was as good as the previous years, uh, and there's been better renewals of it. I put Belly Andy up because um, he is. He's an absolute certainty to to be a better horse um, in the fullness of time. And he was a fair bit better than the result on the day. I think there are plenty of horses who are in and around the frame there who will be very easy to beat over hurdles. All right, let's switch to the novice chasers to follow for the season. So, Tony, once again, starting with you, sir, the ones that you think will be grade one class that will be aiming at Cheltenham, Aintree and Punchestown towards the end of the season. Let's start with one that's obvious. Um, Min, right? Min has, I think, developed a bit of a, a negative reputation since this apparent flop in the Supreme Novices. Um, I don't think that was a flop at all. And uh, people saying he has no excuses on the day. I actually think Min has every excuse in the day. And I think if he jumped a little bit better in Cheltenham, he jumped absolutely horrible in Cheltenham. And he's cracked one down the back there and he's come back with an injury. And I would be very surprised if that hasn't caused his injury. I don't think that's his form at all. I think he's better than that. And um, I also think he's a sort of horse that would be much more suited to chasing than hurdling with that aggressive front-running style that he has. So um, I'm actually not convinced Altior is a better horse than him, and I would definitely be inclined to give him another chance. Now, um, Identity Thief is, is an obvious horse um, for novice chases. The only concern I'd have with Identity Thief at this stage is Cheltenham. I thought he didn't take to the test at all in the champion hurdle mm-hmm. last year, and the fact that he came back to form readily at Punchestown after that would say maybe Cheltenham was, was the issue with him I don't particularly like um, really novice chase prospects that have spent an extra year over hurdles but I would be willing to make an exception for Henry de Bromhead because he's such an exceptional trainer of chasers and he obviously put in a brilliant performance there on Saturday now that's actually a slight negative regarding Thistlecrack who's out tomorrow um, wouldn't be in love with the fact that he spent an extra year over hurdles but um, I won't go for identity for my second one. The other one I'm going to go for is one of Gordon Elliott's and J.P. McManus' horse called Sutton Place. Oh! He was fast-tracked 
um, through bumpers and hurdles last year. Started off in Navin and was toured to Annabel Flay. Now, that was an absolutely serious run. I only wish I had a cop this at the time. He finished toured and he was clinically abnormal post-race. So the horse is bloody sick and he's managed to finish toward the horses finished the season rate in the 140s. Hell of a run. Then drops back, wins a bumper in Fairy House easily around the turn of the year. And then to go, to go next with him to a listed race in Nace, where he looks to have absolutely no chance. There's a right few good horses in his attribution. Gortine was there. Um, Royal Caviar, he's absolutely destroyed them. Um, then he pitches up at Fairy House Easter meeting, beats Royal Caviar again. Doesn't jump great. But every time you're looking at him, you're thinking the two miles is a little bit sharp for him. Um, he's only five now. They've obviously been very keen to get him over fences, putting him into bumpers and hurdles in the one season last year. And again, it seemed to be reading the trainer comments, it was all about fences with him. So I thought he was very interesting, particularly as he goes up and trip, because he's done all his racing at two miles so far, and I actually think he's going to be far better as he goes further. So the fact that he didn't race at either Cheltenham or Punchestown might mean he's a little bit under the radar. Um, definitely want to keep him safe. So Min and Sutton Place are the two for you, Tony. Uh, Roy Delargy, your two novice chasers to follow for the season. I like the way Tony's always getting an extra one in here. <laughs> That's very sneaky. I was wondering yeah. how long it was going to take you to stop. <laughs> the first one, I'm not sure is going chasing at all, but I, I thought that has to be the plan for him. Um, and people will know better than me because I haven't been uh, supping the brandies with the um, uh, the Lambourne boys. But um, Bouverdere, who was um, uh, who ran a cracker in the Supreme last season, uh, despite being for me too far off the pace. In the early stages, he looked an absolute superstar when I saw him at the Hennessy meeting last year in Newbury. Um, really sticky testing ground at that meeting, and he was the only one um, who was able to show a turn of foot from the last, uh, from me almost at the entire meeting. I was really impressed by him there. Um, he had won a bit of an egg and spoon race at, at Huntington on the warm up to Cheltenham, but I know Nicky Henderson's also got Altior for similar sorts of races, and Altior was schooled over fences rather than going to entry, but. Um, uh, for me, the one who has the um, the best long-term prospects as a chaser is Bouverdere, who's an absolutely gorgeous animal. He's big, he's got scope, his jumping's really good, and he has that turn of foot at, at the end of a race. So I'm hoping he goes um, over fences because he doesn't have a great chance in a champion hurdle, and he doesn't seem to be wanted in the champion hurdle market either, suggesting that uh, fences are um, what's on the horizon for him. And I think he's really exciting. Your second horse for the ATR tracker for chasing the season, Rory. This one is definitely going chasing because he's already had a run over fences. And that was the other day at Carlisle. Um, Cloudy Dream, who was um, much improved um, through the whole of last season. He ended it um, by finishing second in the um, the Scottish champion hurdle. And to be honest, he should have won. He's travelled like an absolute dream in the race. And he's just got a bit held up in his run uh, when travelling well. The winner got away from him. He's finished strongly into second, beating the rest of the field well. And that was, yeah, it was a very competitive uh, limited handicap. It is every single year. Um, and he's come out and, and absolutely bolted up on his chase debut at Carlisle. Um, he's got a fine physique for chasing, but he's also uh, an athletic sword who travels very strongly and, again, has a turn of foot. He's not too keen in his races either. He's, he's very sensible. Uh, which I think to a large degree you want with a chaser and he's able to measure his fence as well. Carlisle's not the greatest test uh, first time out, but it's a very good uh, track to introduce a horse and he was pretty much foot perfect there. 
Um, he only beat Chidswell, and it's easy enough to, to knock the um, the overall level of form. But he was never really out of um, out of the middle gears there, and, and he's going to improve an awful lot. Looks like a really good prospect uh, for the north of England this time around. Okay, I am liking that. Now, Kevin Blake, I know you in particular are very excited about the novice chase division this season. So, who are the two horses that you're most looking forward to seeing this season? Well, I sort of went into good detail with them last week, so I won't repeat myself too much, but no surprise that Dentley Thief is, is top of the list. And we obviously have some new evidence since last week, which is, which was great to see. We got to see his chasing debut, and he, and he was just he was very good. It was everything you'd like to see in a chasing debut. He was just his technique was very good, and we know how good he is. He was 159 over hurdles, and he clearly jumped fences very well. So look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that he's almost certainly going to be a Grade One winner this year. And how far he can go after that, we'll wait and see. But he, he he's ticking every box right now. Um, Tony's point uh, is a very fair one that he his worst run of last season was Cheltenham. Uh, whether that was down to the track or perhaps him feeling the, the the effects still of that horrendously hard race he had at Christmas maybe I'm reaching with that I'm hoping it's not Cheltenham for obvious reasons but I have a theory go on you, I, I recall you you talking about this at the time Rory was that he, he got a, he boiled over a little bit at the start was that it I, I thought I remember looking at, looking at him at the start and thinking not so much that he boiled over um, but it was very interesting Annie Parr took a real pull going to the start. He's like, oh, she might be in trouble now. She might boil over. Whereas he seemed fine. Then he got to the start and his eyes were on stocks. He, mm. I, I put it in very blunt terms when I was working in Satanta, uh, not for public broadcast, but I thought he crapped himself. Simple as that. I think he got to the, he got to the start and he was, he was overcome by the occasion. And if you watch him in the early stages, it's not a case of not handling the track. You tend to go through the race okay for a little while and then maybe you get unbalanced coming down the hill. He jumped the first three hurdles like he couldn't see them. I think he, I think he was in a blind panic. Didn't you make that point in the lead-up to Cheltenham as well? You were concerned that the occasion might get to him. Yeah, well, that, was, that was an obvious concern because he'd not been there before. Um, and when you haven't been through, with, it, with all championship races at, at Cheltenham, you've got to deal with a parade. And horses who've not been through that before, um, you, you need to deal with that. There's a point I made about Undersoul as well. Um, it's it's always a concern with horses who are a little bit highly strung. Um, and it does have an effect on some of them. And the real champions will get a bit buzzed up by a parade, but will then get back to normal before the, the race starts. Annie Parr showed that last year. Yeah. Um, and therefore, that's liable to, to put them under more pressure. Um, and I, for me, he didn't handle the pressure. It, it wasn't anything to do with the track. I mean, on another day, he might prove that he doesn't particularly like the track either. He may remember that experience. Um, but it wasn't simply not getting over a hard race and it wasn't simply that the track didn't suit him. I just thought he was a horse who was not mentally prepared for what happened. Now, Kevin, since we recorded last week's podcast, we've, of course, seen that Entity Thief make his winning debut on At The Races uh, last weekend in Ireland. You have been prone to pointing out that there has been an overreaction sometimes. A high-profile horse makes his chasing debut and the pre-written tweets are ready to go and you're the first one to do it. Oh, fantastic performance. Told you all. He's a stunning horse. Were you impressed by his debut or was there a little bit to be concerned about anywhere there? No, I was just very happy with it. Start to finish, his technique was very good. Um, and I know, look, we've talked about auto praise quite a bit, and you know, especially this time of year when you know he was one, of, he's been one of the first, you know, really big ones to 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 come out, and people just want to see 
a great performance and yeah. even if it isn't quite a great performance they'll give her credit for being great but I, I thought this was worthy of plenty of praise I thought it was very good really good and um, yeah look hopefully he's going to kick on to Punchestown I think back to Punchestown for his next start and um, yeah like I, we, we, we very much looking forward to him like I think um, you know, he's sixteen to one was was too big. You know, we discussed that last week. Mm. I think he, I think he was a general fourteen shot before Punchestown, and um, hopefully some people, you know, got on board and they're they're in a decent spot. But you know, long way to go, obviously. But um, he'd be my first one, and the second one is the horse. I talked about him again last week. Is Barters Hill, and um, his chasing debut has been, you know. It's on hold for the men. It's just they're waiting for a little bit of soft ground. We're obviously unseasonably dry at the moment in both Ireland and England. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him out. I think Ben Pauling has been very bullish about how, how well he's schooled in uh, in recent weeks. And yeah, starting off at two and a half miles should suit him really well. I'd be hopeful that he can leave that form. Like He ran well at Cheltenham. Of course he ran well. But I think me and Rory talked about it at the time. You know, It was a funny one to watch because coming down to the last, I think, oh God, you've lost your action. There's something wrong here. Um, but you know he's he's come back fine seemingly, and um, Ben Pauling just thinks stamina might be a bit of an issue for him. So coming back to two and a half miles, I think is the right decision. I really hope they ride him differently this season. I really hope they 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 don't make the running with him. I don't think that shows in the best effect. Um, it, it it he's kind of very lazy and idle, and when you put a horse like that out the front, they can do silly things, and he did a lot of silly things last season when he was out in front so I just hope they bite the bullet and hopefully there's something good enough to, to take him along for the, the vast majority of the race because I think it will show him to better effect and yeah I just, I just think he's a lovely novice chaser in the making and he's one of the, he's a classic one that it could just take a step forward when he goes over fences based on what he showed over hurdles and, and he, he got to a pretty high level over hurdles you'd have to say I, I can give you a, one, one sneaky one go on if, this is a like. Tony Keenan trick now where you sneak another one in, but we'll allow I'll it. Sneak one in very briefly. And Tony actually mentioned them in passing. And he's a horse that I'd say when Tony mentioned them, a lot of people's ears pricked with, oh, yeah, forgot about him. And it's Gertine. Mm-hmm. We, talk, we, we talked plenty about him last season. He was impressive in his bumper. He was impressive in his maiden hurdle. He went to that listed novice hurdle in Ace, and he was without doubt a bit disappointing. Didn't see him again since. But Robert Tyner always talked about him as a chaser in the making. Um, I have, to be honest, when Tony mentioned him, it was the first time I'd heard his name mentioned for a while. I haven't heard anything about him in recent weeks. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine he'll go chasing. He's six rising seven. And he'd definitely be an interesting one when he comes back out because I, I thought, you know, the style in which he won his maiden hurdle, I loved. And I think he could be one that could make up into, into a smart novice chaser for sure. At least that's it. He, he had a genuine issue. I think he bled or he had, he had some genuine excuse that was on the turf club. So you can probably forgive that. Yeah, and he, he wasn't seen again then for the rest of the season, which kind of backs that up. But. Um, he, he looked a lovely prospect before that, you'd have to say. He did. He looked an exciting prospect and is an exciting prospect if he goes over fences this season. They are the novice hurdlers and chasers to follow from the three lads. We'll get their championship horses next. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting with Bet365, Coral, Labrooks and William Hill, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details. Thank you, Sean Boyce. Pleasure as always. They've also released a special edition for the iPad, which is specially oh, made that's, for that's the iPad. My, my dad uses that and he thinks that's top class. Yeah, and that's... He, he is a, he's technologically 
he wouldn't be the most advanced fellow with the old technology and he he, can, he seems to think it's brilliant so if he thinks it's alright it's probably pretty good well I have it for the iPad and, uh, and I think it's brilliant as well and I used it and indeed you can too to watch the final Furlan podcasts Vanessa Ryle host last week's Get In programme oh man Mr Luke Harvey got himself stuck in traffic so who are you going to call when you're stuck in traffic, Vanessa Ryle, who just happened to be wearing the exact same top that she wore when we all did the Get In program last March? <laughs> but like that, that's some doing now. Five, like that, it was literally on five minutes notice. Yeah, thrown in. And, and I look at everyone's different, but I know myself, the only thing that makes me nervous when I'm doing telework is not being prepared. Uh, and you know for her to jump into the seat there on five minutes notice and she'll tell you herself she did, she hadn't looked at any of the racing like she was in doing a completely different job that evening and to jump into the seat and talk about racing and try to tee up Jason to say the right things like it whoa far uh, from easy far from easy it would explain it was why she cool was tipping would explain why she was t- tipping a lot of favourites as well but that's that's fine um, <laughs> also there's no auto cue in the ATR studios so you literally have to do it yourself and she did she was fantastic as always and she will be back next week when we'll be joined by Mr. Robbie McNamara making his return to the Final Four podcast we'll talk about his for- horses for the season and some of the key horses to watch out for for the Stable Stars which is back on AtTheRaces.com Stable-Stars.com uh, the prizes this year, 4th to 10th place will get themselves a one-year player subscription. Third place gets a £500 free bet from Bet365. Second place, £2,000 cash. The winner and champion tipster of the At The Races Stable Stars gets 8000 of the Queen's finest sovereigns. Serious money up for grabs this ah, year. Sure, who wants those English sovereigns anymore? Like, <laughs> eight, eight <laughs> grand in sterling, that's worth about what, a thousand yeah, euros. Losing money in that transaction, who would want that? <laughs> be paying us in euros, euros. Completely honest, devalued. What they really want is Blake's card on uh, the 2017 flat season for the six months. That's, that's <laughs> what they want, yeah. Kevin Blake marking your card for the first first six months of the flat season. Yeah, uh, good luck. And all, and all the Dundalk horses to follow for the season. Anyway, that's the prize. Eight grand cash. Best of all, it's free to enter. And we'll give you details on the Final Forum Podcast Mini League. Uh, a little bit later on in future podcasts stable-stars.com for At The Race of Stable Stars right championship horses to follow for the new season starting with Tony Keenan we'll get one from each of you and if any of you want to interject and argue with each other happy days rabble 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 fire away Paxman style Tony what's your first championship horse to watch out for this season as usual here I have six or seven but you're anyway um, you can fit them all in baby you can fit them all in first horse um (laughs) <laughs> yes, we're laughing about this before we came on air. Um, why is Annie Power favoured for the champion hurdle instead of Fahim? I'm not saying, I, I don't know what to make of this, but um, did he not put up a, a career best effort when he won the Irish champion hurdle last year? That yeah, was, he did. Yeah, and uh, he, they're talking about running him in a world hurdle this year. Now, I think. I, I think. Look, you couldn't trust the large prairie to Willie Mullins' mouth in terms of where a horse run. Poor old Kevin was sent down on a on a mission to, <laughs> last weekend. Uh, to be to be honest, Kevin could have been after writing down the opposite what Willie told him, and, and it is like to... <laughs> um, the views of Tony Keenan are not necessarily those of the final part of the podcast. Um, for Haynes, for, for uh, um, I think actually you, you have everything that, that, that is sort of is, is wrong with the Willie Mullins method of placing the horses if you're talking about him going for a world order when he has 
the best piece of two mile form around. But anyway, Faheen obviously isn't my horse to follow. Would you uh, be, Tony, just as a side note, just because Faheen's such a high profile horse and he will be, and, and there's already a lot of talk on social media about the fact that he might go for the world hurdle, would you be concerned on two levels that that's what's being suggested? Not necessarily that it will happen, but that's being suggested. One, that it might indicate he's not what he was. Two, that the fact that he's such a keen going horse, he wouldn't stay the trip. Well, Noah wouldn't be worried about um, them indicating that's where he's going. Because if Aidan O'Brien was saying it, I would definitely be worried. Because I'd actually believe what he was telling me in terms of what he was expecting. You know, when, when Aidan O'Brien, we, we, chat, we chatted about this before. When Aidan O'Brien said US Army Ranger was going for a Group 3 on Irish Champions weekend, yeah. lads were saying try and fordle. And you know what? They went wrong. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, you can take what Aidan O'Brien is saying like that correctly. Willie Mullins... Not so much. Um, and the other thing, Willie Mullins, bar any power, has he ever run a good horse in the World Hurdle? Thousand Stars was a good horse, but he wasn't a multiple. Yeah, yeah he was a second stringer. Yeah, league, yeah, wasn't yeah. Not a, not, a lot of second stringers now. Not an elite horse, anyway. No, I, there'd be nothing like Faheen now um, running in the, in, the, in the World Hurdle. Yeah. And the year Annie Power ran it, I suppose you've been saying around other horses. Um, so that I just thought he was an interesting horse to, to chat about, if nothing else. Um, the horses I'm—I'm just going to go for a, a couple of darkish ones here. Well, I'm actually going to start with two horses that are old horses that nobody's talking about, but will probably win races this year. Um, Road to Riches, first horse. Um, he had a nightmare campaign for me last year, and it's to the credit of the horse that he ran so well. Um, started off brilliantly in Clonmel, then problems ran very well under a I think what everyone knows it was a poor ride in the uh, Irish Gold Cup uh, excellent run in Cheltenham over tip this too sharp um, then he ran at Navin back quick didn't he and then mm. he, he probably should have won in Punchestown and then the Galway played it, that, he had every right to be bottomed as a horse um, and he's come back in Gorham Park in the, their champion chase and I thought he ran really well on the negative tactics but I sort of got the negative tactics that day because, you know, the wheels had threatened to fall off completely in Gaul and he didn't jump. He jumped around Goran fine and then he finished it running the give, stayed on well. I think he's going to take the world to beating in that uh, down rail race. I believe Sylvia Nagelconti's going to come over for that. He oh, a job opening the Crucially, beat. Tony, crucially, the Gold Cup winner of this season is going to run in that race too. <laughs> go, go, go on. Go, go on, Don Pauly with the blinkers on. Oh! <laughs> Jeez. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Lord. No comment. Anyway, Road the Rich, Road the Rich to take the world to beating in that. Um, the other horse is Henry de Bromhead's special tiara. Uh, wins a grade one or a grade two on good ground and two miles every year. Um, might be one for that um, use lads. I know you love this race in Cheltenham on the open meeting the Sunday. The, the sure. Sure. So he, he, he'll, he'll go hard on that and possibly either... I don't think he's going to Sandin, which is a bit of a pity, and Campton. Now, less obvious horse. Now, Kevin, calm down here. All right, oh, God. There's Uh-oh. an English horse coming up here. I know. Oh, Jesus. Um, Gary Moore's horse, Traffic Fluid. Oh, good um, shout. Good shout. Ran uh, an absolute screamer in the Ascot race behind on this year. Um, 
he might actually have been the best horse in the race considering he was coming off a break and the way he was ridden he, he came home very well on the tender enough handling now obviously he's very very hard to train um, very hard to keep sound but if he does get back to the track Gary Moore's obviously very good with two milers um, and he'd be, I actually backed him anti-post for the champion chase last year on the back of the Ascot run and then of course he pulled out after about three or four days after that but not to worry he, he's one to keep on side and be interested he'd be one of the few English two milers um, that has upside of the younger horses so they'd be made three uh, to two older horses there uh, and traffic fleet I'm also interested in Apple Jade but I think Rory's going to talk about her if he hasn't chopped off no you crack on because although I, although she's on my list I made the point that I was going to go all, in, all English so I've got, to, I've got to dance around her now but um, you pick her up because someone okay. needs okay Apple Jade she would want to be the best of the juveniles of last year, but I think she is and be an awful long way. Yeah. I think I think we said this at the time we talked about it. Um, Cheltenham wasn't her. She had an interrupted preparation. She hadn't run um, since Stephen's day. And when she came out in the entry, I know the ground was in a favour, but beating a distance and another 10 lengths on top of a top of beating Ivanovic Gorbatov, um, that was just spectacular sort of stuff. And then she was able to back up and punch it down and win again. Crucially with her, she never ran on the flat. Um, I think she's only had five career starts altogether. Yep. There should be more to come. Um, am I in love with the switch to Gordon Elliott? Yes and no. Willie Mullins is a better trainer than Gordon Elliott. I did the numbers on this there not so long ago. Um, he is, statistically speaking. He's a better trainer. He's a higher strike rate trainer. Gordon's more of a, a numbers man. Not surprisingly, considering he came from the background of Martin Pipe. Gordon's still an excellent trainer, but he hasn't had a horse like, like this champion horse class before. But then against that, you know what Apple's did now? She's probably going to be campaigned in the races like the champion hurdle rather maybe than some soft ones that um, mayor's races that Willie might have kept her to. So she, she'd be another one, a more obvious one that I'd be interested in. But she would want to be a lot better than the, than the four-year-olds of last year. And some of them have come out and run sort of ordinary um, in novice chases so far. But I think she is. Yeah, she's. I'm glad you mentioned her actually, Tony, because she's my idea of the champion hurdle winner this season. I'm fascinated. Tiger Roll can't do it. None of them can do it. Fascinated to see how she's going to get on this season. How do you expect them to campaign her early on? We know she's going to start. We think, Kevin, she's going to start in a four-year-old hurdle. But then afterwards, Tony, how would you like to see her campaign throughout the season? Uh, she's going to start in that race in Nice, um, which would be fairly soft sort of race to be starting her off in. Um, after that. I presume she get little allowance if she ran the two-mile race at Leperstown at Christmas. I know Golden Cross was one that won that a massive price uh, 10 or 15 years ago when he was getting a little bit of an allowance. Um, I wouldn't be averse to run her in the, in the Hatton's Grace. I don't think two and a half miles is going to be any issue to her. I think she actually stays very well. It might actually be two and a half miles that is her best trip in time. Mm. Um, the entry hurdle actually might be the most suitable race for her. Um, hard, hard to say exactly where she goes. I, I suppose the obvious race... Other than the Nasus would have been the, the on the Friday of Down Royal next yeah. week, second season race. Yeah. It's a feathered lady and the, the, the wicked hurdle, is it? <laughs> yeah, the trouble you get here, the wicked hurdle. God, you talk classy. But uh, well, here, here's one for you now, lads. Here's one for you. All right, let's say Apple J comes back in that race and Nasus and bolts up, and she was to run in the Hatton's Grace, and she was taking on Faheen. Price that race. I'd make her favourite. Faheen making his seasonal reappearance. Notoriously stuffy. I would make her favourite as well. 
Oh, that's a big show. I'm following Rory. Oh, that's a big show. She'd be favourite. Getting the, the highest, getting the weight the allowance. Is that? Since uh, since this is Brack. Getting the weight allowance. She's a lake but I think we'd be back in Faheen if she was she is, I'd, I'd be back in Faheen. When she beat him six lengths, he'd still be the highest rated. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Your, your stats are meaningless there. <laughs> no, I couldn't have apple shade as fav. Oh. What price would you make her? Oh, I don't know how I'd price it, but I have Faheen in front, I Champion. Let her, go, let her go and prove it. Championship <laughs> horses to follow Rory DeLarge. Um... As I said, I've uh, I've reluctantly had to abandon Apple's Jade to go down the whole English route, but I absolutely love her. Um, and the biggest load of nonsense I've heard is how you've got to ignore the entry run. You've got to just ignore that. That's just nonsense. nonsense. Who said that? I it, I, I've heard some. I've heard uh, two or three good judges say that. Nonsense. Um, you can't you can't rate the race accurately um, because if you did, if you took a line through almost any horse in the race. She ends up being the best two mile hurdler ever, essentially, and therefore you can't believe that. But those are very difficult conditions for juvenile hurdlers to run in. And the thing is, she dealt with it better than anybody else. They all ran below par apart from her, but she was spectacular and she was perfect at her hurdles. She is the most wonderful jumper of a hurdle already, nearly that I've ever seen. Um, and I would not want to be against. The stats are massively against her for the champion hurdle. Um, I don't, has, has any five-year-old Mary even tried to win the champion? Well, I know that um, in the last fifty years horses that have been beaten in the Triumph Hurdle have actually a number of them have gone and won the won the champion hurdle yes. in the following year, but in the two or three years after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, next year, um, sorry, next season would make sense for her, but she's so good. Um, and she's such a natural hurdler, and she's open to so much more improvement than your average juvenile. Yeah. I'm going from one season to another that I would not want to be against her anywhere she turned up, to be perfectly honest. But anyway, I've decided to go English. Um, so by definition, we're looking at um, either I can bang the drum again for cue card and sprinter sacra, but you've heard all that before. I'm not abandoning, I'm not abandoning them here, but I'm not going to put them up. I'm going to put up um, um, a couple of others and something incredibly dark because I've had to promote it from my handicappers list. First of all, Bristol Demai, um, who seemed to have his limitations exposed at Cheltenham and Air at the end of last season, um, but was much better than the bare result on both occasions. I thought he got an odd ride in the JLT. And that might be an issue going forward because I think um, his, his regular rider, the key to him is his confidence um, and he's the kind of jockey that people like to get at. Um, and if he has a few reversals this season, the, the, um, uh, there'll be people out to get him. And whether that just blows his mind, I don't know. But anyway, Bristol Demai was hugely impressive when he was allowed to do his own thing last year. Um, when they got the tactics wrong, like when he allowed Armad um, to make the running in the, uh, the Henry VIII at Sandown, that didn't help him. He, he wants to, to get going. He wants to use his, his jumping. He likes to jump boldly. Uh, and at Cheltenham in the JLT, he was kept very wide on the track for the first circuit, which I didn't think was any great advantage. He swung very wide on the, um, the bend into the straight in the first place, and he never really got an even keel. And as a result, he ended up making four or five mistakes, which is very unlike him. Normally, his jumping is his, his strongest asset. He will be. He handles good ground, but he will be much better on genuinely soft ground because his jumping is as good, if not better, out of bad ground uh, than it is um, on on quick ground. 
So as long as we get a, a proper winter with a bit of rain, um, then he's going to look very good. And I think he could easily come through as a, a Gold Cup prospect. But the, the obvious race for him is a Ryanair at this stage. He's still a very young horse. Uh, it, there's still a lot more to come from him. And he's maybe a little underrated because he didn't finish firing in all cylinders. Um, but I like him an awful lot. Uh, the other one is, um, if, you're, if you're dealing in the prices they are for big races, he's a little bit of an outsider, but people are forgetting Coney Gree very quickly. Yeah. Uh, Coney Gree was, was hugely impressive when winning the Gold Cup. And a few people that come out and said, ah, yeah, but it was suiting front runners. The Gold Cup never suits front runners. You know, you can't, you can't steal a Gold Cup from the front. No horse has ever done that in history. I grant you the track at various times may have, you know, there was no bias against horses going from the front, but you don't nick a gold cup. If you're not good enough to win a gold cup, you don't win it by virtue of being in front. Um, he was tremendous that day. The form is very, very good. Um, and then he, I thought he was very impressive in winning at Sandown. Proved that his novice campaign hadn't left a mark on him. He looked at least as good as ever when bolting up in that um, uh, graduation chase at Sandown before picking up the injury at home. I don't think that was a serious enough injury for you to be worried about what ability he retains. I think there is a concern that a horse like him, as Sarah Branstock um, said before she committed him to the Gold Cup, he's a silly horse and he's got these spidery legs and he's always in danger of doing himself a mischief. So it's not an issue of, of whether he's ever over the injury entirely, it's whether he can actually, whether he's able to you know, um, pick up a different injury because of his nature. But if he goes through the season um, without picking up another injury, then he has to be a massive player at Gold Cup level. And much as I love Thistlecrack, and I absolutely adore Thistlecrack, you have to be absolutely bonkers if you consider backing him for the Gold Cup as favourite at this stage. And if he wins a novice chase at Chepstow tomorrow at eight to one on, then he's going to shorten up in some places for the Gold yeah. Cup. That's just bon absolutely yeah, bonkers. Yeah. Um, so Coney Gree, simply because he's a 12 to one shot and this cracks a five to one shot for the goal cam and that makes no sense whatsoever to me. And the incredibly dark one, because he was going to be my, this is the best handicapped horse in the UK, um, is now going to be, this could be a world hurdle horse and he's not even in the betting. Um, Maximizer, who I was keen on last year. Uh, he, he ended up only having three runs in the entire season. He won very impressively on his chase debut at Carlisle. He was a very good hurdler in soft ground as well, but didn't have many races um, for Simon West. He then went to the Hennessy meeting and I said he was the best bet of the entire week there. He bowled along in front and somehow managed to fall without touching a twig. He jumped, he jumped, seemingly jumped really well at um, the ditch down the back straight and just didn't get his landing gear out and fell. He picked up a minor injury, which meant that they couldn't um, campaign him towards the RSA because he wouldn't have had the requisite experience. He ended up finishing his campaign in a listed race at Otoy, uh, where despite the fact that he was clearly not really ready for a run, um, he rallied very strongly to be beaten a short neck in a listed contest. He was due to run in a couple of handicap hurdles afterwards, including that staying handicap hurdle at Haydock on um, Swinton Day, and one other, I think at Sandown maybe in the, the end of the, the uh, finale fixture. The grind was too quick both times. But he was put in at biggish prices. He was double-figure prices off a mark of one, one four four maybe. For me, he looks at least a stone well in. Um, so if he was mine, he'd be starting off either in a handicap hurdle or a handicap chase. Probably handicap hurdle as it stands. 
and maybe the world hurdle is the obvious um, end of season aim for him if he if he progresses as expected. But he's very very lightly raced. He's very exciting, and because we didn't see much of him last year, he's completely under the radar. But for me, he's he's um, an exceptionally good horse who, as long as he gets his grind and avoids injury again, um, is sure to win races. That's Rory's three championship horses to watch this season. Kevin Blake, what are yours? I'll be quick with these. Uh, Zabana's the first one. Go on, Zabana. Never heard talked of about him last week. And here's one. And Rory, you won't be able to answer this. You're good with stuff like this. I was thinking about it after talking him up last week. If he were to win the Gold Cup, in the uh, I suppose you have to <clears> say in, the unli- in, in the unlikely event, right? But if he did, hashtag Sweet Justice. When would have been the last time a horse won the Cheltenham Gold Cup that began its career on the flat? I've gone through like the recent history, relative recent history, and can't find any. I, I can only imagine it's been a long time. Uh, let we, me. Um, we won't put you on the spot. We'll, we'll leave you have a look. I'll keep jabbering on here. But basically, I made I made the case last week. He's just a really likable horse. He's, we, I don't think we've seen the best of him over fences. Um, he only really had three runs over fences last season. He won twice and he got bogged down the next time. He's not one that you, you'd be advising someone to follow through the season because he, he doesn't really like that winter ground. He can get away with it on occasion, but he wants a real sound surface. He, he's a proper spring horse and stays very well and jumps very well when he gets his ground and you know he'd no right to win that race at Punchestown really he 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 made a I think what was the, he overjumped at the first and nearly went and then a loose horse tried to murder him halfway through the race yeah. it was just a bit of a mess and that, that was three mile one you know and he stayed very well well on top of the line I thought to against you know Outlander isn't going to be a gold cup horse I don't think I think that's, that's fair to say but I think we haven't seen the best of him and I think he's one that could progress up into the ranks there the, the top staying chasers around and uh, yes come springtime when others you know have cried enough after a, after a busy old campaign on, on winter ground he could be really coming into himself and yeah I wouldn't be at all surprised now if he could make a big show up you know he has Cheltenham form forget about last season God Jesus forget about last season <laughs> Um, Hashtag Zabana Day. <laughs> but uh, but prior to that, he'd run a super race in the Coral Cup. Uh, probably, you could argue, should have maybe won that day. Um, so, you know, Cheltenham, he doesn't mind it at all. Stays very well. And I think, I suspect, um, there's more to come from him. And then, Championship Horse, I just found it found hard to find sneaky ones that were worth putting up. So I'll put up one of the, he, he's not a sneaky one, but he'd be perhaps one of the more underrated of the of the, the horses that won at Cheltenham last season. It is Black Hercules, your old friend, Kenner. Oh, go on, the um, Black Hercules. Like, if you talk about, you know, potential Gold Cup horses, and you, you mention, you know, Black Hercules, people sort of look at you and go, oh, really? You know, they don't really put him into that bracket, but I don't think he's a Gold Cup horse, but I certainly think he's a proper grade one horse. Um, and I imagine, even though we mentioned last week, Willie's talked about potentially going even further back in trip with him to, uh, you know, two miles. I think he'll probably make up into a lovely Ryanair horse. And, um, yeah, I could very much see him do that job. I don't think we saw the very best of him last season. I think, you know, Willie started off training him as a, as a stayer, staying chaser in the making last season. I think this season he's a bit more focused in and the the pacier side of things I think the horse will probably benefit from that and yeah I think there, there's more to come from him he's only had three completed starts over fences it would have, he would have been four for four obviously but for uh, Ruby um, falling at the last on him at Navin 
but yeah I'd, I'd like I think we've, we've, we've there'll be more to come from him and I, I could very much see him improving he doesn't, need, he doesn't need to improve loads to be a Ryanair winner and I, I could see him doing so and your third championship horse for this season is I I'll, I'll, won't give you one and I'll take an extra one when we get to the dark horses and handicappers Oh, if I could do that, I'd have done the same thing with Maximizer. But there you go. Listen, listen, we can't all just take the Tony Keenan attitude and just like break the rules and decide only Keenan's allowed to do that. Um, I have the answer to your Gold Cup question, by the way, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, 79 winner Alverton was a very uh, good horse in the flat. I think he won like 10 or 12 in the flat uh, in his time. He was a very good flat handicapper. And uh, of course, Comanche Koji was second to to best mate. Yeah, he won the Austrian Derby. There you go. So. Not many would have would have would you wouldn't have even had a huge amount of Gold Cup runners that have started in the flat. I imagine if you no. look, if you went through it in detail, going back along, but um, he's clearly a bit unusual, and he does. You know, uh, one would imagine lack of stamina is probably the main the main cause of that um, but he doesn't lack for stamina at all to be fair to him they are the championship horses to follow we are going to get dark horses from the team as well but before we do Tony Keenan suggested last weekend that we have a horse to oppose each I quite like this one so who's getting insulted first Tony Keenan <laughs> uh, sure look at, I'm after insulting the whole champion bumper field there um I think I'll do the whole JLT field now, I think. Oh, um, no! Uh, you can't uh, slight uh, Black Hercules. Uh, I was just sitting there, the two lads are talking Christians and me and Black Hercules. Ah, <laughs> um, look, I just think it's a shite form, to be honest. Um, and I'll tell you what, I have a case. Like, I'm not just going to say, oh, I'm going to lay everything out of this field. And please don't be coming back at me and saying, Jesus Christ, that's after winning the game. Look, I just don't think it's a great form. And again, I think I have an argument, right? Um... Kolotovic didn't make the race. To me, he was the best two-and-a-half-miler last year. Um, actually, we didn't mention him at all, which is maybe a bit a bit surprising. The single most wow performance of last year. Yeah. Now, apparently, he's not going to make it back until the second half of the season, so maybe yeah. he may, may not make it back at all. So, I know he was the best horse, didn't uh, turn up, right? Um, Zabana, who we know was quite good after Punchestown, didn't get past the first yard. Ah. Right? Uh, the form isn't really working out. Um, Arzal battered Lamy Serge in the entry. Um, the t- overall time was poor. And what? There was only seven or eight runners in the end anyway. So I actually really don't like that form. Now, that's your Paddy Power market. Or Sorry, it's not the Paddy Power anymore. It's the that Victor or whatever is the main race at the open meeting. Yeah. That's, your, that's your main race at the open meeting. Head of the market, squared off there, if you want to oppose that. Bristol Demise, the favourite. Gerard Le Victoire's 12 or 14 to 1. Lamy Serge's 14 or 16 to 1. They're going to be fancied horse than that. And at the minute, unless I see something to the contrary in between now and then, I would be inclined to oppose the JLT form. Well, that race is going to be won by King Socks, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Form with footpad. Form with footpad. Great stuff. I think I had a double with uh, Willie's thing in the Supreme. Yeah, just just bet blindly on horses blind no double. one's ever actually seen and just like blindly yeah. back them. That's the yeah, way yeah, to make I knew money. This was a certainty. I've never seen it before yeah. in my life. But, yeah. you know. I've, I've, but I've heard a few whispers though. I've heard a few whispers. It's quite good. Yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah. Proceed, Tony. Yeah, that's re- that's really it. So I'm going to try and take those on in the early part of the season until I, until I'm proven wrong. Um, I thought Willie's decision of Black Hercules was really interesting. The one he's talking about dropping him back further yeah. and trip. Um, 
I thought he, yeah, he did it. He did it well in Cheltenham. He he won. He did win it like a bit of a stare, though. He, he came off it and found again. Um, back to two miles. I don't know. Very interesting that he's trying it, but I'm not sure if it'll work out. Okay, so essentially, to sum up from Tony Keenan, the JLT was crap, and he's going to take on all those horses. Rory DeLarge, your horse to oppose this season. Um, I, I love the way Tony gets like thirty horses to oppose. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, I'll, I'll have to say you have to agree to a, to a large extent with what Tony says there. And in both those in both those races, I have Nigel Twiston Davis horses who I thought were better than the result on the day. But yeah, it's very easy to crab the form. And the fact that that absolute nutcase Lamy Surge looked absolutely certain to win um, before trying to run through the rail shows you um, the overall strength of form. But that's um, that's by the by. Um, one to oppose. I, I can give you an absolute shocker if we're talking, and look at a certain race and tell you the worst odds on shot of the season, and it oh. will be it will be headline news. Go for it, Tingle, Tingle Creek, Sprinter Sacra's eight to eleven. What the hell is that about? I I love the horse, and I and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put you off backing him each way for the champion chase at five to one, um, entirely if you're mad enough to want to have a bet in a race like the champion chase at this stage of the season. He's not an odds-on shot for the Tingle Creek. I'd, I'd, have thought, I'd have thought there's every chance that Duvan rocks up. Yeah, I would have thought that too. In fact, we discussed Duvan's that last week. One, but I think everyone's making assumptions that because Willie's lost um, a load of horses, that he won't be sending uh, his stars over to the UK so much. But I think he'll definitely be considering sending Duvan to the Tingle Creek. It's a very obvious race for him. Yeah. And therefore, the, the 4 to 5, 8 to 11, Sprinter Sacra, is just completely the wrong price. And given Rich Ritchie's affection for Sandown, you would think that it could be an early season target. Absolutely. Um, the other thing to bear in mind there, uh, Tony's already put up one who, who would be in consideration for the race in, in traffic fluid. Um, this is our mad chance of winning a big race this season as well. He's absolutely yeah. lightning at, at, uh, at Sandown. He showed that last season. Um, obviously he got injured at the end of the year but he would have been right in the reckoning for the Oracle um, we won't see um, one or two um, again uh, specialty aura was mentioned there by Tony probably won't be going for the for the Tingle Creek unfortunately uh, an unlucky loser in the race last year yeah. um, but it, it's it's going to be a strong enough race and whether Sprinter Sacker is absolutely ready at that stage of the season and indeed you always have the question he's a year older he's had his issues are we going to see the same horse again this year? I very much hope we do, and I'm not suggesting for a second that you want to oppose him because of his age, but he's, the market's wrong. He's not, he's not an odds-on shot. As uh, if, it it came, if it came up soft, he probably wouldn't run, would he? Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, we've, we've seen this before. He, he's missed his intended reappearance race for, what, the last three years? Mm. So I love I love the horse, but actually, he obviously didn't miss it last year, but two years before that. But, even if... That race cuts up badly. He's not going to be. Much, he's not going to be any shorter than that on the day. So he's one you'd, ha- you'd have to oppose there. Um, and again, looking at championship betting um, for March, Thistlecrack is um, is favourite for about four different races of the festival. <laughs> A lot of the festival races are priced up as if they're non-runner no bet, and they're yeah. not. Yeah. And there are some unbelievably bad prices. So, again, it's only mentioned Vautour for the World Hurdle. Not Vautour, hello. Fauquin for the World Hurdle. Well, you might get Vautour for the World Hurdle at a short price as well with some of these firms. Um, but I agree, Fauquin might end up in the World Hurdle, but he's not going to be trained for it. Not not for a second. 
Um, so backing him at a short price for that is crazy. Backing Thistlecrack at, at a short price for the for the Gold Cup is daft. Uh, someone I worked with during the week did a season preview said oh, I think he's a much better bet for the RSA he's an even worse bet for the RSA he's not going to run on that either he takes defences and goes to the Gold Cup yeah, or he goes he's back over hurdle he defences goes to the Gold Cup or he yeah. normally goes for the World Hurdle yeah, there's no way he runs it's a crack for anything back him for the World Hurdle yeah. so there's some absolutely desperate prices out there uh, I've got a very risky one to oppose in that again I think he's far too short for, for his target in March although he's the type to easily run up a sequence in between them. But given that I'm very keen on Bouverdere as a, as a novice chaser, I think Altior is a little bit um, overhyped. Well, as he won the Supreme. Supreme winners don't do quite as well as, as Netrim winners, for example. Um, he was very good last year, but he was very, very forward. I think there are horses who can improve past him. And he's priced up at 5-2 to two for the Arkle. The Arkle's a bloody difficult race. When you consider the Identity Thief is 10-1 to one for that. Yeah. And he's a better horse over fences. Um, then you see that that market's wrong as well. So there's a, there's a few for you. Okay. One horse to oppose there from Rory and we get 17. Uh, fantastic stuff. I love these Tony Keenan rules. Let's just let's just do this. Let's just freewheel from now on. Kevin Blake, who are you about to insult your horse to oppose for the season? Well, the lads have given about 45 to oppose, so I, 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 I really struggle with this. <laughs> you know, there's no... Often that there'd be a fav there for one of the races at Cheltenham. That you Can mean, I just say, might, yeah. like, we were all hanging out with Kevin Blake, producer Deirdre and myself, uh, a well-known trainer, and, we, and Mr. Tony Keenan and his lovely wife. And we're all having a few scoops and we're having the crack. It's St. Ledger Day at the Curra and, you know, Ed Chamberlain pops by. We're all having a great laugh. And suddenly, Kevin spots a trainer. And he's like, oh, I can't talk to him. Oh, and we're then in another bar and uh, we decide to leave and we're chatting to a few people and we're, we're about to walk out and as we do, Deirdre just stops and doesn't realise that she has stopped. So she stops, we all have to stop, doesn't realise she stopped right beside this exact trainer who Kevin Blake does not want to speak to at all has a bit of a falling out with and it's like, oh, oh, geez, oh, geez. And the guy's about to turn around as Kevin goes, boom, like Batman, straight through the door and he's gone. It's, so, it's not that I don't want to talk to him. It's that I, if I, w- I was quite adamant that at the time that if we did meet face to face, he would take a swing at me, and there would be a bit of a scene there. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, if he did, I'd have your back. And by have your back, I mean I'd get Deirdre to photograph it, and I'd get the popcorn and just sit back and watch. <laughs> Nobody needs scenes like that at the Cara. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that in mind, who are you going to insult, Kevin? You have to insult someone. <laughs> Um, Sprinter Sacra. <laughs> Are you for real? <laughs> I suppose at least it's not poor Alconti. No, look, I'm really struggling to come up with 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 one that's a short enough price for um the for problem is, that that I'd like to go with. It's very tough. If you if you find one to oppose who's like an, a a ten to one shot for a for a festival target, and it gets beat first time at even money and the bubble bursts, then that's your work done for the year, isn't it? And then you want to find something that you can kind of oppose all the way down the line, but there are very few horses who won't end up being big prices on that basis. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we all, you know, we all kind of come across these horses as the season goes, you know, especially in maidens. You know, there'll be, there'll be a high, there'll be, a, you know, horse in, in relative terms with a high profile and maiden hurdles that just gets beat you don't like to look for him he looks a bit ungenuine and he'll go off a short price every time a maiden hurdles there's there's a couple every year in Ireland I know 
Um, Seven Nation Army popped into my head there for whatever reason. You know, a, a horse that just always goes off a short price in the maiden hurdle, and you just love to see him in there because he's the type of the, that you'll just you know bet against him every time. Um, a little bit hard to come up with him at this stage of the season. I tell you who he is. Um, what do you call him? Mouse Morris trains him. He's well named. Grotesque. <laughs> he he won a, he he won a race in um, Gorham Park. He beat a horse called Blast of Cumin. And the only reason he won that race is Blaster Cooman is less genuine than he is. <laughs> they are two absolute rogues. Grotesque tried to ruin one of Willie's uh, at Christmas there at Leperstown in a bumper. And um, I could see him been hopefully been the, the, the twice or par excellence in Maiden Hurdles this year. Oh, I've just realised that um, Seven Nation Hermes after leaving Henry. Oh. Now with, now with Alexandra Dunn, who I'm not familiar with. She trains um, Somerset. In the southwest, and the very best to look to Alexandra. You have a challenge on your hands there. She'll she'll get it. Um, she'll get it two stone down the handicap, uh, and then she'll <laughs> then she'll find she'll find races for a uh, Worcester. She's very good at placing them. Ah, very good. Now one by the Don Army. Didn't go, oh, didn't, didn't well go, named. Didn't go through. Uh, didn't go through the auction ring, so we don't know if she was. was um, before she was Alexandra Don, she was Alexandra Smith Maxwell. Ah, okay, that makes more Smash sense. Smash a set of teeth. So, Big Tom George in female. Smashing set of teeth. You don't have a smashing set of teeth. You you need to see them to believe them. You know the way <laughs> Americans believe all English are, especially all cross English people are. No, it's not. That's um that's fairly much Mrs. Dunn. Although she is a, she's a she's done very well for herself since setting up as a trainer. She was an amateur rider. She once beat Tony McCoy in a driving finish at Market Racing. Which is where I saw her interviews, which was tremendous value. The big British book of smiles. Yeah, but anyway, that's it's very harsh to knock someone for their <laughs> merely saying she's going to... God almighty, <laughs> what is going on? What you is... get a hole there and, and get out quick. Dig uh, up, stupid. So Somebody price up this making it to the final cut. Yeah, I doubt, I, <laughs> no I, I, you're all right, Rory. I think this gets I've cut. Said, I've said nothing derogatory. Pretty, pretty <laughs> yes, certain. <you> <laughs> on track getting back on track right before this goes any further oh jesus <laughs> so the point is you want to take on sprinter sakura at the end of all this yes sure why not i've been doing it for long enough great fantastic brilliant Thank tremendous i'm good he's not even favored for a championship race in cheltenham but that's brilliant kevin thank you very much but he's odds on for the tingle creek yeah Thanks. yeah yeah and you probably only knew that because rory mentioned it you basically <laughs> bailed him out rory yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Okay. Although, interestingly, Tony's managed to find find two more there, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. He's not, he's not even put Blaster Kuhlman forward, but there are plenty of people who've got Blaster Kuhlman on their list of horses to follow for this season. So, if Tony's right and the horse is, is uh, less than keen to put his head in front, then he's going to pay as well. He, he's running in a maiden hurdle, or he's due to run a maiden hurdle at Clonmel. Um, in three days' time, and it's going to be a very short price for that. So, mm. those are the best horses to oppose. Horses who should be bolting up in maiden hurdles who don't want to win. And that's why it's uh, difficult to find a, a, you know, a grade one horse to oppose. And that's when you're going on the machine and pressing the LA button or back in the second favourite each way. like Because yeah, you, you still get the same price about them next time they run. Yeah. yeah. You know, if a horse is meant to be good enough to win a gold cup and it gets chinned in a, in a listed chase, then you know people fall out of love with it very quickly. Mm. 
No, it's a good shout that. Now, let's peel into the mind of the three boys here. Let's get there dark horses to follow. We're looking for handicappers or unexposed horses that are going to put us all on the gravy train. We're looking for what's going to put us in clover this national hunt season. First up, Tony Keenan. There's going to be war if someone puts up... <laughs> if Tony puts up one of the horses I have in mind. <laughs> By the way, Kevin is obviously not here. Kevin is in Newmarket today. He is off there swilling champagne with the posh elite and <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth and, uh, well you are hanging out with Vanessa aren't you yes therefore you you're, therefore you're swilling champagne with the posh elite do you know who I met today this is actually interesting Alex so Michael Stout <laughs> Steve Collins the, oh. the Celtic warrior the boxer yeah the honorary cork man I was delighted. I'm sick and I didn't get a picture with him oh what were you thinking and he, he was a smashing fella really sound is he buying a horse uh, he's really into horses. He rides. He goes hunting. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's wicked sound fella. Mad for horsey chat. Now, celebrity sightings aside, <laughs> let's get back to the dark horses to follow Tony Keenan. I, I don't think I've won the dude be hitting yet, Kevin, but maybe I will. Um... <laughs> I'd Double. love it. I would love it if you steal one of his horses. It'd be so funny. Yeah. Double Scores is one to be interested in. Um, he is trained by Gordon Elliott. He's a Gigginstown horse. Um, he ran in the three-mile novice handicap hurdle at the Ferry House Easter meeting last year, and he was just one of the most blatant non-steers you'll ever see. Tanked into I, the I thought you were going to say something else there. <laughs> no, no, no. Stayer, jigger, same difference. <laughs> um, for, all, for all you can say about Gigginstown, I, I, I don't think that, that has ever been an issue. Um, now, this horse, he was an absolute blatant on stair, tanked into the straight um, and was pulled up before the last, just didn't get home at all. He had run his previous race, he'd won a maiden hurdle over two, that was over three. Um, I thought he was well handicapped judging on that effort over two and a half miles, but of course he might go chasing. Um, the worst ride of the Cheltenham Festival last year. Oh, uh-huh. few candidates, but um, I thought it was Tully East in the Martin Pipe. Um, Jockey hit the front about six furlongs out. Horse was travelling best. He faded, I think he finished fourth or fifth. I'm sure he gave him every chance, Tony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave him every chance, boss. It, it was the it, it was the kit in the front, um, four fences from home at Leopardstown. Um, this horse, uh, Tully East, uh, he's turned by Alan Fleming, and he didn't run after Cheltenham, which is maybe a you take consider it's a bad thing. But Fleming's horses were at a form at that time. They pulled it a few mass non-runner jobs um, after that. I would be surprised if he's not well handicapped of his mark. Um, English horse, Evan Williams trains this horse called King's Odyssey. He won, I think it's the time form novice handicap chase on trials day in January. Never ran, a, ran after it. I think it was a case he was entered. He was actually declared for the JLT and um, didn't run when the ground dried out. He's a real soft ground horse. I could see him rattling one of those races. Not maybe the one at the open meeting. The ground might not be soft enough for him, but something at the December meeting or New Year's Day. Um, the form that he, the day he won that time form race is not in the right home but he was just so visually impressive he just looked like a horse absolutely loved Cheltenham on the day loved the bit of soft ground and there was only you could call him the winner uh, three or four fences out very impressed with him um, yeah I, I, I just stick with those three alright they are the first dark horses to watch for the season from Tony Rory Delargy, what's on your notebook 
uh, first in mind, and I think if you're going to start giving out handicappers slash dark horses to follow, it's incumbent on you to find the Magnuson winner. Otherwise, oh, yeah, well, you're, not, yeah. you're not really providing a service, are you? <laughs> and um, the first thing to say is um, it's a tremendous shame that um, that we lost Bunduma at the weekend, who, of course, was, was my... Um, oh, no! my Mackeson horse for last year. I'm saying oh. Mackeson, obviously, because the, the, the race has changed sponsors since last season, so everyone's getting confused. I saw him pulled uh, up, yeah, but he, I didn't um, realise he was... He was, he was bowling along in front when... Um, going very well. Yeah. Um, he he broke his knee, which is what he'd done two years ago, but it was uh, irreparable this uh, time around. So Phil, I'm sorry for uh, that. I'm sorry for the Newland. I know they listen to the podcast. I'm very sorry for connections. Uh, so that was a, a, a kick in the teeth, and obviously I would have been with him um, for the season if he stayed signed but mm. um, another horse that I put up on one of the early podcasts last year after he caught the eye at the October meeting uh, was a horse of Tom George's called Double Shuffle and Double Shuffle has continued to catch the eye he was placed in the um, the Novices Handicap Chase at the festival in March he then made a very eye-catching reappearance um, at Chepstow when looking like he was set to finish fifth or sixth um behind Art Moresque, but absolutely rattling home um, and getting beaten the neck. Um, he will, that would have been a tremendous prep run uh, for the um, the big Cheltenham race next month. And it looks like the, the genuine, the general um, assumption here is there's not going to be an awful lot of rain if the, if the long uh, range weather forecasters are correct. And Simon Clays was saying something similar at the weekend when I spoke to him. So we could be in for, um, for good grounds for a change uh, next month and, and that suits Double Shuffle he does, he does want the ground uh, no worse than good to soft but very very much caught the eye we know he handles Cheltenham he was eye catching in two novice chases at the track last year before he went to the festival and he, he um, confirmed that by running very well in what's always a hot race he's still well handicapped um, he's 16 to 1 in a place for that and I think he, he has to be half that price um, on the day what the hell was that sound what was that sound what did it sound like? A child screaming or? It sounded like a dinosaur. Although they now say dinosaurs sound actually made quacking noises. Look it up, folks. Seriously. They're going to they're gonna have to redub Jurassic Park completely. Um, it was weird. It was a strange... Yeah, it was like a dinosaur. A, squeak, a squeaking sound. Yeah. The squeaking sound was, was my son. Ah. And there was also kind of a rumbling noise, which was, I think, of the dishwasher. And what's his dark horse to follow? His dark horse to follow is uh, Act in Pieces. There it is again. And that was him again, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it's coming through that loud. He means business, that kid. Anyway, so- um, Act in Pieces is an interesting one. She um, She's homebred one of um, Pam Sly's. Pam trained the dam as well. Uh, she improved... Um, she did well over hurdles last season. She, she did fairly moderate in bumpers, given three runs in bumpers for education, improved her hurdles last year. She ran in the dawn run at the Cheltenham Festival. Nice to say that, isn't it? Um, yeah. And she finished mid-division. She beat more than beat her, but she was dropping back to two miles on quick crime, and what she actually wants is two and a half on, on soft. She was placed in listed company at Sandown prior to that, um, and she made her chase debut against a decent horse of... Um, Nigel Twiston Davis is called Bally Bully at Weatherby. And for me, she shaped like much the best horse in the race. Um, but she made one or two novelty mistakes, but generally jumped pretty well. 
Gina Andrews, who rode her, I think made the mistake of trying to challenge up the inside. And horses on the chase course at Weatherby, they tend to go to their left at the fences in the straight. There are certain tracks like that where horses always seem to go in one direction for no obvious reason, and they tend to copy each other as well. So she tried to come right up the inside. She got squeezed out, and, and um, uh, the horse had nowhere to go and unseated her. Um, she will improve, and she'll do well, um, given softish ground and around two and a half miles or thereabouts. The interesting thing about her, as was revealed in a press release before that Weatherby run, is that she hates men. <laughs> that's the that's the horse, not the jockey or the trainer. Um, so you know there may be some. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I've been told we're okay. I've been told we're okay. Right. Um, yeah, it's bizarre, but she won't let um, she won't let a man near her. They, they've had um, uh, they've had the blokes who ride for the yard out to ride her out, and she will not let them on. Or they get on, but they will not stay on. Um, so that's very good news for Gina Andrews, who rides for the yard quite a lot anyway. Um, but she will be a girl's ride through the season, and as a result, you end up getting a, a slightly better price about her. But punters are still. They're very traditional in the way they, they punt horses. They don't like to see girls on, on chasers uh, and you end up getting a slightly bigger price as a result. I like it. She's got, she's got size. She's pretty solid and she loves the jumping game. And I think she'll, she will pick up a listed prize at the very least this season. She's capable of getting placed um, in graded company against the boys. But there's always a very program from, a good program for mares anyway. Uh, and I think she's certain to, uh, to pay her way. And the very fact that she unseated on chase debut again will put people off her and make them suggest, make, make them think that she's a, a dubious jumper. I don't think she is at all. Uh, so she's very dark. Although she's not, I mean, she's got plenty of ability. She, as I said, placed in um, enlisted company and, and she's run very well at the Cheltenham Festival already. Um, but she's eligible for fairly weak races. And the third one is, um, is one that has gone in the notebook very recently indeed, and this horse is an absolute stone bonking certainty for a novice's handicap hurdle. Yes. Very shortly, uh, and is the kind of horse I want to see over fences sooner rather than later. Uh, ran on the Friday of uh, Cheltenham's opening meeting, and that is a horse called Big Pipe No Tobacco for Tom George. Um, really caught the eye in a two-mile novice hurdle against. Um, hurdlers fundamentally when he has everything about him suggests that he wants two and a half miles digging the ground and fences uh, and he was ridden for experience he needed the run for a handicap mark because he unseated early in a second start uh, and he was looked after but he very very much caught the eye closing on the leaders again from the last without being asked too many serious questions by Adrian Heskin he's not going to get much of a handicap mark to start with but he looks the type to improve massively uh, when going into handicaps and as I said the sooner he sees a fence the better alright they are the horses to follow the dark horses to follow from Roy Delargy Kevin Blake what's in your notebook ok uh, the first one I have is kind of a high well not a high class but a better handicap hurdler that could turn up in a race like the the old Pierce hurdle or the, the Coral.ie hurdle as it might be called nowadays uh, he was the horse that was actually sent off favour for that race last year after rain uh, trained by Shea Barry um, interesting horse, bit of a project because the the thing with him is he's very free going, and he he does need to settle down before we see the very best of him. But the fact that he's shown so much already, given that he he often doesn't settle very well at all, is kind of a, indicative of of 
how good he is. Um, he won a couple of smaller races last season. Was um, He ran a very eye-catching race behind Blue Hell at Fairy House, and that teed him up for the, the, the Carl.ie hurdle. And what arrived on the day is what can only be described, as we, we mentioned it on occasion on the podcast, but, you know, real day money if you know what I mean, T-H-E-Y, money that is just far in excess of what the form book suggests there should be for a horse. So he went off 9-2 to two for the Carl Dottie hurdle, which is a, a short price for that race. And the money for him on the day was just massive and relentless. And on the day, the Pierce hurdle, or I keep calling it the Pierce hurdle, but it, very unusually for that race, they went no gallop. They went very steady, and I was totally against him, and he just pulled his chance away, and he finished mid-div hasn't run since which is concerning I suppose I haven't heard anything of him since um, but I'm hopeful that he's still around and alive and all that and I'd imagine that he'd be I wouldn't be surprised if he had the exact same preparation again to run in that race at Fairy House um, and then go on to the Carl.ie hurdle and then maybe go for something like the county hurdle which is no longer the Vince O'Brien county hurdle which is what is it now? Like, um, it's the, the Randox Health Randolph Health yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is, you know, they can do what they want. It's their money, but slightly disappointing. Very uh, disappointing. But, you know, I think he's that type of horse now. He's, he's worth keeping an eye on. He, he's, <clears throat> given that he was disappointing on his last run, um, he may, and, and he hasn't run since January, he may be off a couple of people's radars, but worth keeping an eye on. He's got an Irish mark of 125, which kind of, you know, he, he'd be in down the bottom of the weights for the likes of the Carl.ie hurdle. He'd need to win that to, to give himself a chance of getting into the county. But he, he'd be that type of horse that could come up the ranks. When he comes out on his return, just keep a very close eye on how he settles. And if he does settle better, you can start rubbing your hands because I think if he can settle, he'd be one that would, you know, could potentially find quite a bit of progression because of the, the money that arrived for him for the, for, the, for the Coral race would suggest that they think he's very, very good. Okay, that's your first one after rain. Second on Kevin Blake's ATR tracker as a dark horse to watch this season. Sneaky handicapper, one that we one that I talked about a bit last season, still very likely raced, is Emily's Flame. Um, ah, ran, the project horse. Yeah, turned it wasn't supposed to be a project horse, but it's turned into one. Mm. Um, ran a lovely race in a bumper first time out in Nace. Um, the bones of two years ago now, finished third to Tombstone. And if you watch that race, loomed up, looked like he was going to take all the beating. It was a big, big price, and he just seemed to blow up or not quite get home. And then he proceeded to do a very similar thing in, in, over hurdles on a couple of occasions last season. And I just couldn't quite understand why they persevered with him over two and a half. Um, because to me, it looked like he just wasn't quite getting home. Um, but he's had three runs over hurdles now. I don't think he has a mark, but he's probably just one run away from a mark. And I think the key to him will be dropping back to two miles I think that would very much be in his favour. Um, soft ground, he handled, seems to handle very well. Look, he's a horse that's obviously had his problems. He's eight and he's only had four runs in his life. But, you know, he's probably heading for a mark in the low 100s. So I'd be very disappointed if he can't compete after that type of level back to two miles. And um, again, I don't know if, if the horse is still on the go. I can only presume he is. So we'll just keep an eye out and hope he reappears in the, in the near future. And your final horse to follow this season? My last one is one a little bit like um, Rory had the conundrum there. I could have put him in my in my novice hurdlers, but I saved him just because he is a little bit darker than the others, even though his form level isn't all that far behind him. He's a horse of trained by Liz Doyle called Without Limits. 
Um, very good horse and bumpers last season, but didn't can, didn't go to any of the big meetings. And we started off there was low like Liz Doyle is well able to get a bumper horse ready to rumble mm-hmm. the first time out, and there was loads of talk about him before the first four year old bumper of the or it might not be the first four year old bumper of the year anymore, but the first big one at Leopardstown there in January. And um, on the same day as the Carl that he heard, I think. But he big talk about him. He ran well. He was second to Aspen, Colorado, who's obviously a very good horse. And after after that, he went to Punchestown, bolted up, and then in a you know only three runners, I went to this listed race at Limerick, only four runners, and bolted up. He makes the running. He's a he's a relentless galloper. Um, handles testing ground very well. This Doyle gave a, a, a pretty upbeat. Um, update on him in, in the Irish field this week gone goes hurdling goes hurdling very soon and I'd say he'd be the type now that making the run on, on testing ground over hurdles he's going to be very very hard to peg back and because he's not from one of the bigger from one of the bigger yards he's one of those that could turn up in a maiden hurdle and you know be up against a, a fancy horse of Willie's or a fancy horse of Gordon's and go off a bigger price than he should and um, I could see him making up certainly into a good graded novice hurdler this season and maybe even you know might be one that could compete in grade ones fantastic stuff from Kevin Blake and they are plenty of horses championship novice hurdlers novice chasers championship horses and indeed dark horses to watch out for this season all to be added to your at the races tracker and we even controversially had a couple to oppose as well although Kevin Blake did try to play the politician and not insult anybody this time Uh, you can have all of those horses on your ATR tracker which is available for you now you can also and really should be entering at the race of Stable Stars. It's free to play, and the overall winner gets £8,000 cash. Cold, hard money. That's just about the same amount of money they have to pay Kevin Blake uh, when he appears on the ATR forum. So it's serious cash money up for grabs um, when when you take part in this, and it's free to play. Stable-stars.com to enter. Kevin entered last year, and he might have won the uh, Celebrity Mini League. Uh, on the get-in programme I was uh, second yeah it's some crack last year with this fairness no it is good fun it's a superior competition to the old toe tend to follow it's better it's yeah. better structured it's more fun there's more there's more of an ongoing interest in it and Emma Kennedy has just given the listeners terrible advice there what terrible advice it doesn't close until the 10th of November 9pm on the 10th of November you're not going to make your entry until 10 to 9 and, and the 10th of November anyway we'll be competing in it there will be a Final Forum Podcast mini league as well which Kevin will tell you more about on the uh, Final Forum Podcast Twitter page in the coming weeks and so maybe the best thing to do so Kevin is to register your details right now and then submit your team afterwards is that fair enough? Yeah, start start strategizing and plotting and what have you. And to help but, uh, your don't, plotting. Don't pull the trigger until late because you know what happens. If you pull the trigger a day before the closing day, two of your horses are going to drop dead the following day. It just happens. To help your plotting, we will be joined by a leading racehorse owner in the coming weeks on the Final Front Podcast. And Robbie McNamara is back with us next week on the Final Front Podcast. We're going to focus again on key horses to follow for the season. And we'll talk about his yard and how they're gearing up for the jump season as well. From Tony Keenan. Good night. Rory DeLarge. Good mental health. Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emmett Kennedy, thank you very much for tuning in to the Final Forum Podcast. And thank you indeed for all the kind reviews on iTunes as well. Much appreciated. And all the kind words on social media too. We will see you next week on AtTheRaces.com. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting with Bet365, Coral, Labrooks and William Hill. It's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. 
Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.